Get ready. You are now listening to Talk of the Town with Jill and Carmen, the one and only podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. It doesn't matter if you just moved into the area or you are a fifth-generation Vermonter. This podcast is sure to delight you and inform you. Go ahead, sit back, and relax. Here are your hosts, Jill and Carmen. Welcome to Talk of the Town with Jills and Carmen. Here I am with the ever-charming Carmen. <laughs> well, hello. Bow, bow. <laughs> hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be back in your ears, bringing you the latest and greatest from our beloved Mount Mansfield community in the heart of Jericho, Vermont. Yeah, uh, what a what a great time to be back. Um we took a, a some time off, not planned. Not planned. Not planned. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> we're talking about how old we're getting here. Yeah. <laughs> Going to bed Listen, early. I, I had uh, you a were death sick in the family, mm-hmm. and uh, you had to deal with some stuff in Maine. Yeah, family, all family. It's family. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's important. Family's first, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so welcome back. Yeah. Thank you for listening to to us. All one, three of you. I don't know. <laughs> well, at least me. Yeah. And you. That's right. So we get to listen to ourselves again talk about this. <sighs> so last uh our last episode we talked with uh Jimbo. Remember Jimbo Baggins of the of the Shire? Yeah. And uh, Justine. He's he's kind of now had a his own little name. Yeah. What do you call that? Nickname. Nickname. <laughs> but yeah, what a he's great good with it, though. he's good with it. That was a great um conversation we had with them. Yeah, and they're they're having their um the nativity the, pageant. Yeah, it's the workshops are happening right they now. Are. And the kids are apparently are loving it. It it looks like um it's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm replugging this is mm-hmm. because uh they're working hard and so we want to make sure that the there's a good turnout for Yeah, for December 9th. That's right. I forget yeah. the time. Three three PM Catalyst Church on Raceway. The Nativity Pageant. Okay. Yeah. So be here. Hot chocolate, bonfire, fellowship. Yeah. All of that. All of that. And I believe carols, right? And Christmas caroling around the fire. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just the Nativity. It's it's a good old-fashioned Christmas in Vermont. Christmas in Vermont, yeah. Uh, Hallmark might be there recording a movie. You, you just never know. <laughs> well, Christmas in Vermont will be there. You yeah, can check which the, is better. Well, what's the website for that? Christmas in Vermont. Dot org. Dot com. com. Chris, so check out Christmas in Vermont. Yeah. Dot com. The information should be on there. Yes. Sounds we good. hope. If not, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get in touch with that person. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so everything else good in your life? Everything is good. Everything is good. The cold weather came fast uh, and furious. Yeah. Except it, for today's warm. 50 degrees today. Right. We're going <laughs> to enjoy it while it's oh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, no, it's good because we, you know, 
the first the first part of it is it's always like oh this is nice because you get to sit by the fire and then it lasts until christmas and then after the holidays you're like oh this is work put fire get the stove going every day and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and see the snow you know the right the snow in the atmosphere sometimes four days in a row where we live <laughs> And you shovel your driveway and endlessly. Then the plow comes by and pushes it back in and yeah. back out there. Oh my god. Let's goodness. not get depressed. Although yeah. it was beautiful. It was beautiful when we had the first snow here this week. Was it this week? Last week? Yeah, last week. And the mountain it looks beautiful with the snow on mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So you just gotta get yourself out there. The first week or two of cold weather, I have a hard time with that. And then when I finally get out, if I go snowshoeing or, you know, hiking in the snow with my dog, and it's like, as long as there's no wind, I'm like, this is nice. This is nice. Again, until after a month or so. <laughs> you know, what's funny, though, is like in November, it hits, you know, 30 degrees and you're out there. You're just shivering. You're bundled up. You, you can't. It cut March, 30 degrees comes out. It feels you, beautiful. Yeah, you're out there in shorts and a T-shirt, you know. <laughs> Hey, we're uh, talking about shorts and t-shirts. That's our guest today. It is. <laughs> what a good segue right yeah, there. No kidding. Yeah. We don't plan these things. They just kind of happen. It just happens. <laughs> so the segue of the year award goes to Carmen. <laughs> yeah, no, we have a, a great guest today. Um, he is just a, a local hero. He's a captain of compassion in the community. Uh, Forrest Cochran of the Essex Jericho Food Shelf. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's been a, he's it's been a, a lifeline for so many people in our community, right? Providing not just the food, but the nourishment of the spirit and the town coming together. Um, and Forrest has is behind the scenes making that happen. It sounds like he's in front of the scenes and behind oh, right. the scenes, and he's all over yes. the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never met him, so for me, it was behind the scenes. Now that yeah. I met him, he's in the forefront. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, so yeah, we've got a, co a great conversation with Forrest as we talk about uh, the food shelf here in, in Essex. Absolutely, Jericho. and what great timing too with the Thanksgiving coming up and um, and the holidays. And the holidays. You know, where it's sad for a lot of people. It's sad and uh, it, it can be a needy time of the year. Yeah, but you know, it's also a hopeful time <laughs> because a lot of those people who can be in that place, they have hope because there are people investing in them. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? Yeah. So let's listen in. All right, here we go. Well, hello, Forrest. Thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. Yeah. So um, I guess we have several questions to ask you as we are having this conversation. And so why don't we just start with the first one? What is your most regrettable fashion choice? Well, I'm kind of famously known for always wearing shorts pretty much year round. Um, that said, I cannot stand sweaters or turtlenecks. Anything that makes me too warm drives me nuts. So um, I guess in terms of most regrettable fashion choice, I would say sweaters in general. And other people might say shorts because... <laughs> I, people think I'm nuts for wearing shorts all the time. 
I might be one of them. <laughs> but you're not nutty. There are people that wear shorts all the time. Yeah. My husband's always talking about that at work. It's like, how do they do it? Because we're like so small and we're freezing all the time. But hey, to each his own. Well, I noticed driving home the other day, I was going by Browns River Middle School, I looked out in the playground, and it was pretty chilly yesterday in the 30s, and there were kids out there with shorts and t-shirts. So, and when I drive around town in the mornings and kids are at the, at the bus stop, I see them oftentimes in shorts in the middle of winter. So, um, I guess it's a, it's a thing among young kids, but I guess I never grew out of it. <laughs> That's okay. It's good to be comfortable. And I'm I'm with you with the uh, turtleneck thing. I I can't stand turtlenecks. Yeah, but I I might wear shorts in January. And at night I like it cold in the bedroom. My wife likes it hot, so it's fine <laughs> in the summer for the most part. But she won't let me keep the windows open when the temperature gets <laughs> a little chillier outside. So now I have a stand-up fan that has to make up the difference because sure. it's too hot in the bedroom for me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's funny it is so my question for you is if you could be in any movie what would it be well it would have to be Forrest Gump for <laughs> what you think is obvious reasons but it kind of goes beyond that um, the God's honest truth is I have a great grandfather and grandmother named Gump oh wow and people don't believe me I actually had to um, show them proof of it um and so, yeah, it was crazy when that movie came out. I got a hold of my parents and they said, Mom, didn't you have a grand grandma and a grandpa Gump? And she goes, yes. And so my great-grandparents were Gumps. So That's really cool. Um, it's like a namesake almost, huh? Yeah. I mean, the name Forrest is, is a little fairly unique. I guess it's become more popular recently. My daughter reminds me of that. She says that there's little kids. She's a teacher. And there's more and more forest nowadays than there used to be. But back in the, when I was a kid, I was like the only forest around. But as I grew older, I learned about forest Fesler and forest um, blue. And there was a forest, I think, Evershevsky, some my high school football coach told me, was a really good football coach back in like the 30s or 40s. So um, that was a bit of a unique name. And obviously Gump is fairly unique. And when you put them together, the fact that I had a relative named Gump. It's kind of hard to believe. So I guess I'd have to be in, if I'd be in any movie before it's Gump. That's really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's like, that's unique compared to all the other people we've had conversations with. And then in the, the Richmond 4th of July parade, I used to run the one mile race from Richmond Elementary School down the hill through town to the round church, basically, to, to the uh, field. And uh, people love to yell, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. I don't think I'll ever forget this one. <laughs> I think I'd be guilty of, run, of yelling that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Well, we kind of laughed at that one. What is the funniest and craziest thing you've ever done? Run. <laughs> That's pretty easy. I've got a high school buddy I grew up with, actually, uh, who would always kind of push the envelope as to things that were less responsible to do. And that never really left him. He, to this day, he does kind of nutty things. So he got into sailing and of course he 
bought a sailboat and didn't really ever take sailing lessons. I never knew that he sailed growing up. And all of a sudden, Marty's got a sailboat and wants to invite me down to his place on the near the ocean in Rhode Island, and we'll go sailing. And I said, okay, well, that sounds like a good idea. So I get there, and we're meeting another buddy of ours from, from high school in the Elizabeth Islands, an island called Cuddyhonk, as I recall. And it's at the end of the Elizabeth Islands, and Sam drives out in his family's motorboat, a grainy white that's ocean worthy. And Marty and I sail across this, I think it's Buzzards Bay, to the same island. And we spend the night there, and we wake up in the morning, and it's pouring rain. And so we leave Cuddy Honk that morning and sail to um, Woods Hole. In Massachusetts, and it's right below the Cape, as I recall. So, anyways, we get there again. It's pouring rain, and in this sail, every now and then, and it's also fall, so it's kind of chilly out. So, whenever I would steer the boat, Marty would ask if I wanted to steer the boat, and then the wind would pick up a little bit, the boat would tip, I'd freak out and give him back the reins of the boat. So, we get to Cuddy Honk, and it's pouring rain, and Marty says, you know, he thought it would be kind of fun to go to this bar that overlooks this little inlet harbor. And you can see the sheets of rain going by the window. And Marty says, you know, I think it'd be more fun to go out to um, Martha's Vineyard. And the wind is blowing. If you look out the window, the rain is blowing right towards where Martha's Vineyard is. It'd be an easy sail to Martha's Vineyard. So off we go to Martha's Vineyard in the pouring rain. It's starting to get later in the day. And long story short, we wake up the next morning to small craft advisories. And my job situation at the time required me to get back to where I worked the day after that. So we basically had to sail back that day through small craft advisories. And uh, I remember asking, you know, Marty, if he'd ever sailed in small craft advisories. Oh yeah, all the time. So off we go out of um, Oaks Bluff, I think it was called. And this little area called, that's I now know is called the Chop. As soon as you get out of the inlet, there's all these currents that converge and the wind's blowing like crazy. And the boat's just rocking. You literally had to hang on with both hands and as best you could grip with your feet, both feet, if you were gonna stay on the boat on deck. And as soon as we got out into this, Marty said, um, do you want to steer the boat or do you want to put the sail up? Because we hadn't put the sail up yet. And at this point, the boat is going up and down pretty violently. And the little outboard motor that he's got running it kind of busted from its steering. So it's just you can't control what direction it's pushing us. And it's going completely underwater where you can hardly hear it. And then it comes flying out of the water. And you know, wee, wee, and then whoa. And wow. so I'm looking over at these rocks that we're kind of getting blown towards. And I told Marty, I've never put the sail up. But I also know from yesterday that I don't like steering when the wind just picks up a little bit. So the last thing I want to do is, is steer. steer. And so I had to crawl up on the deck and pull the sail up because Marty convinced me that we needed to put the sail up and the boat would steady itself with some wind and you could cut through the water and steer our way out of this chop area, which we successfully did. 
and oh, and the small the the radio didn't work, and the lights kind of flickered a little bit on on this boat, which I asked him the night before when we were at Cuddy Honk, and the lights weren't working quite right. What's with the lights? And he goes, "Oh, during Hurricane Al or something like that, Bob, Hurricane Bob, two years ago or whenever it was, previous to Marty buying this boat, turned out it had sunk." Um, so it, he bought the boat completely submerged and he did the wiring. So that's why the lights flickered. So, uh, we, we did make it back successfully, but that was definitely the craziest, the thing. craziest thing I've ever done. And I vowed to never go sailing with Marty again. <laughs> well, lots could have happened. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I think think that's the craziest thing we've ever heard on the podcast. Yeah. Well, my buddies that have gone sailing with Marty, too, the group of buddies I grew up with, and and, uh, we all are still friends to this day. We get together. In fact, we were at Marty's this past summer, and I had to promise my wife I wouldn't go sailing with him, which I didn't. He doesn't even have a sailboat now. He has a Zodiac raft. Um, So um, we all have our own stories, one where they woke up again in – Martin Martha's Vineyard, he convinced another buddy of mine and his wife to go to Martha's Vineyard with him. And when they woke up, there was snow covering the boat. So that's the time of year they were going. And his, uh, my buddy's wife at one point was swearing at the top of her lungs at Marty that he's going to kill us because of the, what, the conditions they were sailing. And then another buddy said that he heard a funk when they were like sailing and his his wife went down below to make lunch and she comes up and said oh mark i i smell gas down below and so marty went down and it turned out he hadn't strapped down the gas tank tightly and it had spilled over and there was now gas spilled into the part of the hull where the gas would go if you spilled it <laughs> so they could have apparently blown up but they didn't so <laughs> that's what sailing with marty is like. No, no. <laughs> will he listen? Will Marty listen to this? No, no. <laughs> no good, so we can say whatever we want about Marty. We can. He, he's he's uh, beats to his own drum. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. That's scary. <laughs> I mean, the whole, the joke in, in high school was, "Let's go camping." Marty's bringing the tent because obviously we. Oftentimes go camping and have no tent. So we just sleep under the stars and hope it didn't rain. Oh, man. Which I've done quite a few times with Marty, too. These young people. We wouldn't get caught dead doing that today. As we get older, you would go sailing and weather like that? No. We're smart enough. Yeah. <laughs> and his boat wasn't even that long. It's like 27 feet. So you're out in the ocean. When we were out there, it was late enough in the year that there was no other boats out there except an occasional, like, Coast Guard boat or another, like, large, large, large boat. So no one would have found you. Well, we were... (laughs) If you got... We were just in a place where no other boats that small were. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, and another incident with Marty, before we had the sailboat, he was into the Zodiac rafts, and we would go out in the ocean in this like 14 foot zodiac raft and i remember going into bar harbor it was one time and we're at a bar at a marina where we had come from some island where we'd camped out the night before and 
people were asking like, you know, where's your boat? Cause you could see all these yachts out in the Harbor and along the docks and stuff. And we'd point to the Zodiac and that's our, our boat. <laughs> and there was four of us, uh, my wife and me and Marty and his wife. And he assured us that the Island we were camping out on was fine to camp on. And in the, soon after we got there, a boat pulls up and it was the owner of the island who had a house there and he basically said that he doesn't allow camping there anymore because people used to go out there and leave a mess so we assured him that we wouldn't leave a mess he let us spend the night so yeah <laughs> boy you were blessed that is for sure to not right to not have these accidents you know and still be alive and still be alive <laughs> all right well, moving along, now that you told us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and your work with the food shelf. <laughs> well, I started volunteering at the food shelf, um, gosh, I don't even know, 20 years ago, something like that. I don't keep track of time very well. And soon after I got there, there was evidently, obviously, a, a bit of a um, issue with managing the food shelf. They had gone from one president to a new president, and unbeknownst to me, because I wasn't on the executive board, there was some issues with the new president. And a couple of guys, Peter Mitchell and Dave Kelly, uh, wanted me to meet with them at the minister's house at our church, Kevin Goldenbog. Unbeknownst to me, they were pitching that I become the president, and they thought I would be a good fit. So I agreed to do it, didn't really know what that entailed at the time, uh, and then found out soon after that there had been this rift with the that the past president. Um, and I won't get into all the details of that, just a lot of politics that, uh, again, I wasn't aware of at the time, but found out more about. And so I just put that all behind me, and I'm the type of person that I hate to waste time. I'm probably one of the most impatient people I know. Like if we're going driving and the shortest route has three traffic lights and there's a road like say Silly Hill or that type of a road, I'll take Silly Hill and drive 12 miles out of my way so I can keep moving. I hate stopping and uh, drives my wife nuts driving with me. But anyways, at meetings, I can't stand wasting time. And I remember at the first meeting I ran, I had an agenda and I had um, my watch out. And as we were going through the meeting, I was writing times down. I still do it to this day, except I do it with my phone. And early on, someone said, Forrest, is there someone somewhere you got to go? And I said, no, 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 I just want to keep on track. You know, we're supposed to be done by 8.30. And um, sometimes we veer off on tangents. And we've had over the years, several board members that are kind of famous for going off on tangents. And I have to reel them back in and, and I'm a yapper. So I'll go off on a tangent and have to pull myself back in. But anyways, um, ever since I took over probably about 15 or 20 years ago, um, I've just been amazed by the support that the community has, not only the member churches, but schools, organizations like the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts. We have these mountain mamas that are bringing 70 pumpkin pies this Saturday and they in the past would make their own pies, but because 
the health department doesn't really like food being given out that doesn't come from a commercially licensed kitchen. Uh, and we have insurance for what we do, what we give away for food. We have to be careful what we give out. So that became an issue probably 10 or 12 years ago. And so anyways, it's just amazing. Like the local grocery stores have bins that people fill up and the board members and people that volunteer that aren't board members that show up particularly during setup week, which we're in the middle of right now and distribution on Saturday, once a month, it's really amazing to me how much support this community has. Um, and it's just a wonderful group to be associated with. And one example of how well this organization operates was years ago, I had forgotten that it was a Thursday setup night, which back in those days, we would have a bunch of people show up at the Good Shepherd Church and all the donated food would be piled up in the middle of the church and Cub Scouts would show up along with some board members and we would put the baked beans with the baked beans, the cereal for cereal, just uh, sort it, put it all away and then get ready for the upcoming Saturday distribution. Back in those days, people would show up at the church and walk through and make their own selections. So Thursday was a very involved day, it included sorting all the food, setting up all the tables, laying out all the food. And so I'm driving home from work and it's about seven o'clock, 7.30 at night, because I oftentimes would work late. And I'm driving by the Good Shepherd Church and a light bulb was off my head. It was distribution or setup day and I had completely forgotten. So I whipped into the church and when I walked in, everyone that was there started clapping, you know, making fun of me and they had done everything. So people can, th this organization just kind of runs itself because it's had so many volunteers for so many years doing the same thing, passing the baton on to the next person. And uh, it's just, it's wonderful to be a part of. And I hear from a lot of people when they show up for the first time uh, that it's, they're just grateful to have such a, a well-organized uh, operation and, and feel blessed to be a part of it. So I think that answers the question. It does. Can you tell us a little bit about the food bank or what you guys yeah. do and, and how many people you, you help? Well, we we're doing planning on 80 families this coming Saturday, which are November and December are our busiest two months of the year for fairly obvious reasons because of the holidays. Um, and also we get an abundance of donations this time of year because people are kind of in this spirit. And uh, the food bank, the Vermont Food Bank is an amazing organization. They provide so many resources for us, both for outreach, if you're looking for ways to network with other organizations, farmers, for example, they have an annual conference each year, they bring speakers in. Um, and also just plain old food. They, we, we order probably, gosh, I don't even know, like this month's order, we're probably gonna get 40 cases of food. And by cases, I mean like 24 cans of vegetables, 12 boxes of cereal in a case, 24 boxes of macaroni and cheese in a case, that type of thing. We're probably gonna get 40-ish cases for nothing from the food bank. They charge us to deliver it by weight, um, but other than that, it's free. And we have a, a nominal membership fee each year, which they waive during COVID, 
um, and uh, they provide other resources such as grants um, where we can apply for a grant and as long as we agree to spend a certain amount of money supporting Vermont farmers, they'll give us you know, $2,000. We just went through one of those grants. Uh, and then um, beyond that, they also, besides us, they, they obviously support local farmers and other food banks throughout the entire state. So um, they're an invaluable resource. And we're just really grateful to have them as a, part, as a partner. Do you have donors from the um, community that also... Yeah, well, I mentioned the um, bins at the local grocery stores, Jericho Market, Price Chopper, um, and Hannaford's. But also, we'll have food drives. I mean, a local um, Dr. Farrell, I guess I can use names. Uh, I don't, the reason I was hesitant to use names is I don't want to miss anybody. There are so many people that help us out. So this past month, Dr. Farrell did his annual food drive, and I forget how many boxes of food we got from it but 25 or 30 wow. probably at least in that range took four members to pick it up um snowflake chocolates uh, donated three boxes full of halloween candy which they do every holiday once the holiday passes they donate tons of food tons of candy to us which obviously kids like it's not the best thing for you but Let's face it. It's, it's fun. It's for the fun. Kids. You it's think fun, of the kids and it's not too. something that people with food insecurity are going to necessarily spend money on. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a woman um, that is we call her our pet food lady, Jan, who shows up each month and maintains a, a log of what our clients need, what their pets are, how many they have, what type of food they need, and does her best to to get it. Um, and so. That's just another example of someone that does stuff for us. And then just out of the blue, people show up um, and they'll walk in during distribution day and back their car up and say, I've, I did a food drive in our neighborhood or my daughter had her birthday and wanted people to bring food to the food shelf instead of presents. So we just get a lot of that too. So it, like I was saying earlier, the community is an amazing supporter of our So I want to go back to the to the grant thing. You said that they give you money to support local farmers. Well, that grant that I was talking about was a grant that specifically had to be earmarked with supporting local farmers. So um, Chapin's Orchard in, in Essex always supports us in the fall with apples. And they were hit hard with the bad weather this year. So we went out of our way to purchase apples from them this year. Same thing with Jericho Sellers Farm. They got hit hard and they they every month give us lettuce, whatever's in season, um, squash, lettuce, different kinds of greens, um, things like that, that they have an excess in. And what we end up doing, did recently was started purchasing from them to help support them and we were able to use some of this grant money and now we're out of the grant money but we're still doing our best to support them by purchasing from them so i was when i asked the question earlier about donors i mean do you have actual people give money monthly or you know and i know that 
donations come in all forms and right. it, it is amazing. But how about the actual money? Because now if when you don't doing the grant and supporting them, how do you go ahead and purchase what you do need when you don't get it? So the towns of Essex, Jericho and Underhill, or obviously the Jericho, Essex, Underhill, food shelf, those towns put in their annual budgets each year to send us, to give us money. Uh, and then also individuals will leave, leave us checks. We have a, um, a, a post office box in Jericho and people just mail us money. You know, one thing that comes up fairly frequently is at a memorial service at one of the local churches, someone will ask for donations to the food shelf. So each month when we have our, our monthly meeting and we're going through the treasurer's report, there's a list of the donated money that comes in. And Global Foundries, formerly IBM, had a system in place where they were they people could sign up, employees, and we still have some of those people following through with that. So we might get several hundred dollars from three or four individuals. And it's amazing every now and then there'll be an anonymous donor. Um, people sometimes will just give us cash. They'll drive up and hand us cash um, at distribution. So um, it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, some months we don't have any money coming in and other months we have a windfall. And during COVID there was a lot of federal money that was made available. So that was great because the, the need grew during COVID. Um, and luckily, because of the area we're in, we weren't hit too hard with COVID um, needs increasing. We thought we were, but it didn't really ever come to fruition. Um, so that's where our money comes from. Mm -hmm. So what would you say some of the challenges the food shelf faces? There, Honestly, there aren't any. Uh, other than just doing what we do, which takes a lot of hours and sweat to put the whole thing together and organize. Um, I guess if you want to call it a challenge, the challenge would be replacing the people that are doing it because um, most of us have gray hair now. And I, I do worry <laughs> that we, you know, we've lost in the last three years, we've probably lost five or six key members of our organization and we've been lucky enough to have someone step in and fill those shoes but um, sometimes it's taken someone to do two the, the work of two people so and those people have gray hair so uh, that's my concern and when I go to church and I sit in the back and I look over the congregation I, I notice that churches in general have an older crowd. Uh, and so that to me is, is probably the challenge facing us the most would be replacing board members as they step back or cut back. Cause sometimes we've lost them. Unfortunately they've passed away, but other times they just need to, to cut back. And so like I've said, we've been lucky enough to be able to replace them so far. But sometimes it's taking somebody doing the job of two people. So that's that's what's next for the food shelf. Really, is 
spreading the word to have yeah. to have people come and serve so that you can learn to work with one another and figure out who then would be the ones that would be interested in stepping up. Getting some young blood in there. Young yeah. blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the time this podcast goes out, it's going to be distribution will, will be so close or have already passed that it's kind of a mute point right now. But if somebody wanted to get involved, are you looking for people at distribution or where, where do you need help that somebody who's listening says, I want to be involved with that? Well, in terms of the actual labor involved for setting up for Saturday's distribution and then actually conducting the distribution, we have a very solid group of volunteers. It, it takes in the neighborhood of 20 people, give or take 10, for setting up and for distribution. And most of the same people do the setup work that show up for distribution. So it takes about 20 people to set the room up for distribution and then another 20 people at distribution. But like I said, it's typically most of the same people. In fact, it's become a a problem because more people want to help than we have jobs for. Mm -hmm. And on occasion, we've talked about, well, maybe we could do one month with this group and one month with that group. And when that comes up, the people that want to sign up for it, all of a sudden it's like, well, if you're going to be signing up for it every other month, it, you're on every other month because the rest of us do it every month. And you can't just not not do it one month if we're going to do a switch like that. So we've struggled with that, quite frankly. I mean, we used to have the, the Cub Scouts show up for setting up the room, and then the Boy Scouts would show up for distribution back when we had the in-person uh, distributions. Now that we have the room set up ahead of time and people drive through and get a set bag full of food, actually they get three bags full of food, number ones, number twos, number threes. Then they get a bag with meat, cheese, and eggs in it, and then another bag with produce in it. So they get five bags of food. Oftentimes we have extra items that get donated kind of randomly. For example, this month we have 70 pies coming from the Mountain Mamas that we're giving out in addition to what we normally do. Um, Sue Adams, who oversees the the library farm at the Jericho, um, the Deborah Rawson Library, they have a garden out back. She's frequently bringing us produce from that farm, from that garden. Uh, there's a group up in Jericho down on, um, uh, what's the name of that road? It's the one that goes out to the West Bolton Golf Course, National Road. road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that grew a whole field full of squash that we were able to um, get donated. So we have a, a table where the meat is given out, and they also will put out uh, extra bur- loaves of bread if they're donated from one of the local grocery stores things like squash, um, Chamberlain Farms just today wants to offer pumpkin pumpkin pie pumpkins. So we're going to be handing those out to people that want them. So I, I completely lost track of what the question was. Well, you're, we were talking about how can people get involved? Oh, that's right. So, so, so in, in order to, in, to add to the group of people that we need, we don't need more people in those positions. 
But if someone were to really want to get involved and become a board member, that would be wonderful. Um, and all they'd have to do is show up at one of our board meetings, which we have on the first Thursday of each month, uh, unless that Thursday is late in the week, in, in terms of the late in the calendar week, like it's Thursday the 6th of the month, um, then it gets too near the third Saturday of the month, which is our distribution day, and we'll have the board meeting at the end of the month uh, prior. That all depends on how the calendar falls. But long story short, it's typically the first Thursday of the month. And they could contact me uh, if they're interested in becoming a board member or just attending a board meeting to see if it's something that fits for them because um, it may not, but it, it it's a wonderful group of people. And if you had the time and want to commit the time, we'd love to have more people on the organizing front. So we'll, we'll give your contact information, how to reach you in a minute. Um, <clears throat> so it sounds to me like there's enough people with the work of it all but if people really want to give, and there's a lot of people that want to, that love to have a cause, right? So it just sounds to me like join in on purchasing things, garden and give, give things of that sort, uh, right? Oh, definitely. Um, because you can never have food drives in their neighborhoods. Right. Um, if you want to, every time you go shopping, Drop one item in the food bin at Jericho Market, Hannaford's, or, or um, Rice Chopper. You'll find there's multiple bins at some of these grocery stores because Aunt Dots in Essex also has a bin, I believe, at definitely at Price Chopper and probably at Hannaford's. So my take is pick a bin. Just we're looking to help everybody with food insecurity. But if you want to help our food shelf in particular, just look for the label for our food shelf. Um, I can say off the top of my head, we're oftentimes low on baked beans and cereal and canned fruit. Those are three things. Uh, and if you want to go one more step, I'd say peanut butter. And even though I like crunchy peanut butter the best, we prefer smooth because it um, fits most people's needs, where crunchy doesn't fit everyone's needs. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, that's good. You want to ask that last question, you think? Because I think it's good. Yeah. So what advice would you give to this community? Um, oh, curveball. I thought it was going to be your younger yeah. self. <laughs> well, you know. We covered that, kind of. We did. So don't go silly and mighty. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> it just made sense because you, you kept talking about how the community has just been amazing over, because you've been doing this for 20 years. So you've just watched it happen. So what better person then to have advice for the community when it comes to food insecurity, giving, helping, volunteering, whatever, whatever you would have? Um, well, in the bigger picture view of that question, I would say just be kind to others. I think that's probably the best advice I could give in this day and age. There's so much angst out there. So many people who have differing opinions that can't meet at the table and have a civil discussion anymore, it seems. Um, I know that at the board meetings we have at the food shelf, there are people with differing political views and um, we all get along great. Um, and 
you know, I just, I would like to see everyone just being kind to one another. And in terms of how that applies to the food shelf in particular, um, it's just nice to see when the clients show up and they're from all walks of life that politics doesn't come into it. Well, we, there's one guy in particular I know doesn't have political beliefs that line up with me and we get along great. And um, we joke a little bit about it, but we try and leave the politics out of it. And uh, I just think that our, our purpose is to feed people with food insecurity. And there's just a certain level of um, gratitude that we get very frequently from our clients. And quite frankly, it feels good. You know, we're going into the Christmas and other holidays seasons um, where gift giving and gift receiving are, are done. And it really is a good example of, for me to feel the sense of gratitude helping others. So I guess the best advice I would give is to be kind and to do what you can within your resources to help others. Awesome. That is a good answer. You passed the test. Okay. <laughs> well, Forrest, thank you for joining us today and for all the work that you've done with the food shelf. Um, I'm sure that um, there's many out there that may not even know you, but have gotten um, help from the food shelf. And um, we have to say thank you in their name. Well, you're welcome. And that actually brings up a, a, another good point that we oftentimes run into people out there who don't want to show up at the food shelf to pick up food because of their pride. And I completely understand that. And we work with some of the local school um, resource people to get the names of people and try and convince them that it's a it's a worthy thing to come to. We instruct our volunteers that you might see a neighbor or someone you know, um, and we don't judge anybody and we're just there to help. So um, I would urge anyone who has the need to please try and put your pride aside. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, if you have food insecurity in your household, um, we'd, we'd love to be able to help you. Um, so then why don't you tell us then how we can, pe these people can reach you for on all these levels, whether they want to help, participate, or they know somebody who's food insecurity, how to get that process started, uh, or they themselves. How would, we, how would they get in touch with you? So my personal contact information um, is, well, my email address is forestcvt at gmail.com. That's F as in Frank, O-R-R-E-S-T-C-V-T at gmail.com. That would be the best way to contact me. Uh, if you want to help, we have our board meeting, as I mentioned previously, most often the first Thursday of the month, and it rotates from one church to another. We have 10 uh, member churches and each one takes turns hosting it, and then the other two months of the year, one steps up and volunteers. So email me if you're interested in attending a board meeting and just want to check things out. That'd be great. We're always looking for new people. And in terms of showing up to uh, pick up food, we always distribute on the third Saturday of the month. 
there's occasionally a year or two will pop up where Easter or Christmas or another major holiday falls too close to the third Saturday. We might move it, but we try and maintain that third Saturday practice all the time. So uh, we, I put an announcement in Front Porch Forum, and you can reach out to me at my email address or contact Good Shepherd Church where the uh, distribution takes place on Route 15 in Jericho um, to confirm when the distribution is. But again, it's typically the third Saturday in the morning from 9 to 1030. Definitely please come. All are welcome. And uh, it doesn't matter what town you're from, uh, how many in your family, we, we will help you out. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to, to come and speak with us. Um, your information is going to be put in the show notes, so if they didn't get it, they can look there. Okay. And uh, I'll have all the information about how they can get involved and all that stuff in the show notes. So. Well, you. you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be able to, to do this with you folks and try and get the word out. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. thank you. Okay. So there you have it. What? I mean, to me, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it is. Uh, What's amazing, I think, uh, Forrest shows his incredible leadership, but what a team of volunteers he has. Uh, uh, Absolutely. But that speaks to him, too, as being a leader. I mean, he's been doing this for so long. 20 years. 20 years. And for something to last that long and to be a well-oiled machine and to have people that are coming alongside him and owning it themselves. Yeah. And for them to stay a long time. Right. I mean, that really speaks to community. It does. I was thinking that. I mean, it, it definitely, it's kudos to Forrest, and he's he's got a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to lead the team. Absolutely. And, and to be, a, what do you call that there, when you're uh, adaptable, when you see the needs and and having to adapt and taking in, into account everybody who has something to say about it and then implementing it. Right. Uh, one of the things that, that I know is that uh, he's not out there recruiting people. It's, it's people who have a heart to do this. Um, and I just think that when you have something so big for so long, so helpful with all of those people, it, it speaks to what a great community we have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except that this podcast will be a, a plug for volunteers, well, um, right? They, I mean, I mean, just think of the example of these people in the last few years he's mentioned either on the podcast or before as we were talking. You know, some of these people have been doing it for so long because they believe in the mission um, <clears throat> that they're stepping down or stepping back. And so it's time to fill in those spots. Um and so, yeah, it's it's time for the community to hear that there's a, there's that need, and let's keep it going. There is, unfortunately, there's that need in this community, and I believe in most communities in America. So, it's there for for our help, and uh, use it if you need it. You know, I was this is making me think about, um, you know, his advice about be kind, right? And it's not just, I mean, we often hear it a lot during this Christmas season, but you you see things like, um, you know, spread the kindness 
in different parts of the year when people are just doing acts of kindness and, mm -hmm. and you see those things. But it was making me think about, um, and now I'm talking about that and I just lost what I was, it was so good. What was I going to say? How it lasts throughout the year, be kind. Oh, well, <laughs> keep this going is, then. This is an intentional ongoing <laughs> act of kindness. Well, when when you is. do this, it's not, you, you said those <clears throat> random acts of kindness, which are nice. Uh, but this is a lifestyle of kindness, I believe. Well, it is. Yeah. And, oh, the, so, you know, when, this is what I was going to say. So thanks for you. filling in because it's good. <laughs> um, you know the statistic, and you might know it more than I do, or at least we've heard this before about you live longer and you live happier when you give of yourself. Do, do you know the, the twist to that? Is it about that in particular? But people who who may who go to church, who volunteer, who volunteer, <laughs> uh, it might be just volunteer, you know, uh, but give them of themselves and have a cause. There's another one. Have a cause that they give of themselves to. They, they, they're happier. They're happier. Sure. I, I mean, so, we're created to uh, want to uh, help people and be part of community. and Aren't we? Yes. I mean, it's innate in us. Yeah. It, it's part of who we are. And so when, when we were, when I brought up the whole kindness thing, it made me think about, you know, when I isolate, which can be easy to do at times. And, and there are times when it's necessary, I suppose, you know. You have to step back. You're having struggles, whatever, and you're you're trying to just make the level level the playing field for a while. And but I notice for myself, I can't just keep doing that. I have to. I you know, there's a, something in me that kind of rises up. I got to get out there. I gotta I gotta say a kind word. I gotta go do something nice. I gotta whatever's, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, how how does that make you feel better? It just does. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I have like this this people meter where I have to like keep being around people. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or me I, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you may not be that people person to extrovert. Um, say like my husband, who's kind of in the middle of the road. He was way introvert for a long time, but you know, when he's alone at work a lot, mm -hmm. there comes a point where he's like, okay, I'm being driven crazy. I need to talk to people. I need to be have these conversations with people. I need to be able to share a kind word or bless them at lunch for coffee. And, you know, he comes back home and says, this is like getting old. So that's the flip side of helping, you know, what the food shelf is all about, helping those who need it. And that is so healthy. But just think about what that cause does for us <clears throat> as well. Yeah. And it, it takes all of it together to make something run for as long as it does. That's what makes community. It's the need and those who fill the need. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what a good point. And that's exactly what's going on. There's a need. That's how it started. Uh, I want to say it was some 40 years ago, right? It was the need. I don't Did he say 40? I know he's been uh, in it for 20. Yeah, I just know the... But a long time. Kind of the... The urban legend of it is, is mm -hmm. I think it's been around for 40 years. 
And it started because there was a need and somebody saw the need and did something to, to fill that need. Mm-hmm. And here it is so many years later, still doing what it was designed to do. Yeah. And I mean, think about it now when you look, I mean, right, communities have to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and do they start necessarily where everyone pitches in to help one another? Maybe, but maybe not. Um, and then look at the floods this week, this, this summer and, you know, the different things that are needed and everyone just know it's a no brainer. And, um, so the kindness, it's, it's the greatest advice really. Yeah. And it's a good reminder this time of the year, just to be kind because, uh, we don't know what some people are going through. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. Good. Thank you, Forrest. Yeah. And thank you listeners for listening. Yeah. And if, if you um, would like to comment um, or share your thoughts um, on this or any other one that you hadn't had time to do yet and you want to just share how you like the podcast in general, um, give us a give us a call. It's at 802-858-5534. Or you can email us at talkofthetownvtpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, so do that. Send us a message. No longer than three minutes on the voicemail. And we'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Goodbye now. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Giles and Carmen. The podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again next podcast.